Jerusalem, so uh, if you're watching online, send an email, and we will send you a uh, copy of this if you'd like, or as many copies as you would like. You can hand them out. It's all full color. We've got 312 pages of Jerusalem, the history, archaeology, and apologetic proof of Scripture. And after we get done here today, we can open the garage door up, and you guys can just start taking boxes of books out. I did get the garage organized. I was very happy. I was, I don't know if I had, we had, we had eight pellets. We had eight pellets in there stacked with, I don't know how many pa- uh, boxes, 300 and some boxes. And uh, it looked like Tony's garage was going to be covered up for a while. But I uh, moved a bunch of them downstairs, got a couple places downstairs. They're not in the way. And I stacked them around the shop, well, the, the garage shop. Um, and there's room for Tony's car, so that's, that was very nice. So we're back to normal. Now we got just keep shipping them out, and you guys keep handing them out, and we'll be good to go. Uh, the notes today are the same as last week and the week before, uh, Hebrews chapter 12. If you're watching online, I could not get where I've got the live feed on generationword.com. Underneath, there's a place to click for notes. I could not get it to change from to Monday night's class of Mark's notes. So the notes would be, you have to look down at the Hebrew from Sunday night, or Sunday morning at the bottom of the home pages, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday across the bottom of the page there. And those are the same notes as, as last week. You can take them there. Because I couldn't get it to go to link. It's the same notes. Uh, we are in Hebrews chapter 12. We're going to go on up to verse 25 and look at some things. The main thing we want to do today is look at the, the chart on the back when we, get, when we get there to kind of draw what's coming out of here. Uh, again, one of the big deals that we're talking about is uh, Hebrews chapter 11 was talking about faith. And, you know, I mentioned a couple times uh, the, the people had faith, they believed. But one of the problems that we, as we look at the examples given, is some of them, their, their morals, their thinking wasn't, you know, outstanding. It wasn't a good Christian example. The writer of Hebrews is using them as examples of faith, going from. Uh, Enoch or Abel all the way up through the days of the Maccabees it appears there's some that are there that would be historical for the Jews that were reading this in 63 AD but when we get to chapter 12 we now start talking about uh, maybe we want to say character or morals or Christian traits uh, and then we start identifying just like in just like in Romans Romans uh, Chapters 1 through 11 is uh, a, a, a lot of theology, a lot, and we've gone through Romans, similar to Galatians, it, it's just Galatians is a little shorter, uh, but then when you get to chapter 12 of, of, of Romans, going up to 12 through 14, there you start talking about your daily life, what the daily life of a Christian would look like, you know, therefore, uh, renew your mind, no longer be conformed into the image of the world but be transformed and it starts talking about again the character the morals the lifestyle uh and so what we're going to see today uh in this chapter 12 that we're looking at and and pointing out is the things that the writer of hebrews wants you to do uh but then as we read this i I want you to notice and i'm going to present it and i want you thinking (laughs) because this is going to be talking more about the way you you think uh what you consider to be truth you know and i think it's very pertinent and i I think i'm going to be reading it correctly but you can you can you know make corrections in your own mind as you go 
it's not just, when it, chapter 12 here, it's not just going to give you a list, the bullet points of do these things, do this, do this, do this. Although you could easily reduce it to what does this look like. Uh, I think it's more about make sure you are thinking. This is what you are to think. This is what you are to know. This is what you are to understand. And if you can do those things, obviously that's going to then reflect in your life as you make decisions. It's more talking about, if we could say, the heart, the intellect, the soul, the mind. Ah, the second phase of salvation. This would be the first phase, in a, in a sense. You, you trust God, you believe God. Now, this is now, you're going to now begin to transform into the image of God in the way you think, which now lines up exactly with the Romans. So I'm going to read through these, and I'll, I'll present, you know, as we go through it, both some of the do's and don'ts of, of chapter 12. But at the same time, behind that, or in front of that, I think, is really understand these things. So chapter 12, uh, uh, chapter 12, verse 1, we're not going to read the whole thing here, but it begins here, therefore, after going after chapter 11, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, people of faith, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Meaning we've got a race that we're running, but there's things that are holding us back. There's weights uh, that, that are entangling us, slowing us down, and there's also sins or behaviors that we're doing. Again, the sins can be internal or external sins. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus. Okay, we're looking at Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross. So he's gone before us, and we're supposed to model his behavior. He did it the correct way, and that is our model. We've got all the, the people of chapter 11 as examples, but now in chapter 12, we have introducing now another example, which is Jesus himself. So Chapter 11 is from Abel up through, you know, the times of the New Testament begin being written. Well, now that Christ has come, we've got his, him as an example. Chapter 12, verse 7, it talked about endure hardship as discipline. Uh, God's treating you as sons. And then we come down to uh, verse 12, and it says, Therefore, because of all these, God's treating you as sons. You're going to be trained as a son. Chapter 12, verse 12, keeping your eyes on Jesus. You're being trained or, trained or treated as a son. Therefore, strengthen your feeble arms and your weak knees. Make level paths for your feet so that the lame may not be disabled, but rather healed. Make every effort to live at peace with all men. And so this is kind of where we were last week. We're going to review that and, and push on. But we're talking about our arms and our knees and this is, they're, they're weak, they're, 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 they're broken, they're slow, they're feeble. Uh, but it tells us to strengthen them. The arms are for doing the work. Uh, the knees would be for doing the walk, working the works of God, walking in the ways of God. But then if you're weak, it's not like, well, I'm too weak to work, I'm too weak to walk. It's like, well, strengthen it. You're going to have to find a way to strengthen these and make level paths if there are some and the strength is going to be the strong and we would spend some time on this last week the level paths are for those that are disabled or weak uh and we looked at last week in romans in romans uh chapter 14 
where we compare, and, and Paul very clearly identifies there are your, your community of believers, and this is kind of talking in a sense of a community. How do you live together as a community? And one of the, the problems that Paul addresses in Romans and is going to be tied up into here is you're going to have some that have understanding, they, they have perception, they've, they've grown in the Word, they're mature, they're Christians, but alongside of them are also other sons of God, people that belong to God. They've got faith. Just like in Hebrews 11, there are those that had faith, but they do not have the, the understanding. They do not have the experience. Maybe because of time. Maybe they've just come into the faith, and so they're immature because they haven't had a chance to change their thinking or trans or be transformed into the image of christ ah our case people would get into church they're into the ritual and they've been there for 10 20 50 years and it's like they've never they've never opened a bible i mean they know like two or three bible verses they know their old testament because of psalm 23 they know the new testament because of john three sixteen. well i'm scholar i can tell you Old Testament, uh, Psalms 23, New Testament, John 3, 16. Now I'm going to tell you how to live a Christian life. It's like, holy smokes, that, that's all you know after 50 years? Well, I, I, but yeah, but I've got a lot of opinions about Christianity and what it means. It's like, well, I'm sure you do. You watch television. You listen to the media. You talk to your other ignorant friends. You probably, you probably already led a Bible study. Like, I certainly have been. I've, led a Bible, I've taught Sunday school. Yeah, but you don't know anything. Well, now, th- that you, can say, you can be critical of them, but it's like, they, they're going to be also the weak. So you can be weak in your understanding because of time. You just haven't had time to get into learning. Or because you plugged into an institution that didn't honor the Word of God, that didn't honor the fact that the world thinks like this. The world is solving problems. They've come up with conclusions. They've got assumptions. But the world is wrong because they've, they've rejected the Word of God. They've rejected the concept of God in the way that God's presented. Oh, they believe in God. They believe in Jesus. They believe in church, possibly. Possibly they don't. They reject all of that. But it's all just one mess called the cosmos. You're going to have to separate from that and come over here and hear the revelation of God's word and renew your mind, begin to think like God, which means everyone, everyone, everyone who comes into the Christian faith comes in with a wrong thinking, with, with inaccurate information, and you need to start correcting your thinking. I mean, I'm still in the process of renewing my mind. It, it's never going to stop. You continue to study the Scripture. If, but if you don't study the Scripture, you're going to stay over here and look at each other say, well, I'm fine, yeah, you're fine, we're all fine, I think we all struggle, we all have answers, I found my way. Yeah, but you don't even know what God is doing or saying. And so... The strong, in, in Paul's example, what we read last week in Romans 14, are, are those that have strong faith. They, they have accurate faith. They, they have understanding. They can answer certain questions. And again, we're not just talking about having an academic test, but when certain things come up, they know how God views them. Uh, we're going to see a verse where they can see God. They can perceive God. Now, we're not, we're, it's going to have a verse here about uh, without holiness, you will not see the Lord. Now, in just a little reading of that, it's like, yeah, you want to live a holy life because someday you're going to cross over into, the, into eternity and you're going to get to see God. Ooh, look, ooh, take a selfie. It's like there, you, you can see God, but if without holiness, uh, you won't get to go there and see God. 
Okay, that, that could be part of the meaning. We're going to look, look at him. We'll see him face to face as it talks. But that's, that's kind of like a lot, lot of footwork to finally get to the place where, ah, I can see God. What we would like to have is, think about it this way, of seeing God today. Not seeing him on the throne or seeing a vision, but perceiving or understanding. You, without holiness, you're not going to perceive what God is doing here. You're not going to see God's way in this cosmos. Without holiness, you're still stuck over here. Without God, you, you, it's like, I don't see God. I can't perceive God. Or I've got to make up God. Well, if you'll get holy, if you'll follow God and think like God, you all of a sudden, your vision will go from looking at this, it's like, and seeing things from God's perspective, it's like, Oh, I see, I see what's happening. I can understand this. Not because you're smart or you're brilliant. You've just now had the window open, the, the, the veil open, the, the scales come off your eye. The light is now shining, and you can now see God. This would be an example of someone with strong faith. It's not that they've got, again, strong faith is not that you've got strong faith, that you've got a lot of faith. The faith, the power of faith is always in the object that is believed, not in the person that's believing. If the object is Jesus Christ, the truth, the word, uh, that's where the strength is at. So great faith is believing something or trusting in some object that is great. Weak faith would be trusting something that is not true. Someone with weak faith is going to be still stuck in the way of thinking about how do I make God happy? Well, the example Paul uses is dietary laws. It's like, okay, I, I don't eat pork, or I observe this holy day, or I have this religious ritual. This is, in the Old Testament, it was a shadow of the good things that were to come. That's what the book of Hebrews is about. Stop following the shadow and embrace the reality. Uh, you're not going to become holy because I, I'm doing all of these things. If this is what you think, that because you're doing these things, God is pleased with you, then you've missed, we're going to see this word come up, you're going to miss the grace of God. The grace of God is to turn and have faith in the greatness of Jesus Christ. And because the object of your faith is great, you can have great faith in as you understand Jesus Christ. If the object of your faith is your behavior, I don't eat this, I don't drink this, I don't go here. Now, we're not saying you should be immoral. You don't have to worry. That's, that's antinomianism, saying it doesn't matter what you do uh, because God's grace is greater than anything you do. So just you know, eat, drink, and be merry uh, because you're fine. Antino that's a false religion. As you grow closer to Christ, it is going to, you're going to have to live within reality. There are certain things that are true. You're going to have to embrace this kind of a lifestyle. Uh, and that's going to be revealed as you get to Christ. But if you come over here and you say, I have great faith because I don't do this, I don't do this, I don't do this. Your faith is in you. It's in your behavior. And you're a fallen, lost creature having rejected the grace of God. And now you've got weak faith. Yeah, but I really do these things. But the object of your faith is yourself or your own behavior. Someday I'm going to go to God and put present to God, here's what I did. And God's going to go, not good enough. You're never good enough. The whole point of Christianity, 
None of you are good. People say, well, Christians just think they're better than everybody else. No, no, in, if you really understand Christianity, the concept is everybody has been rejected. Everybody is going to hell. Everything has fallen. So Jesus Christ comes and says, you'll never make it. I will do it for you. Come to me and I will take you to the Father. So a person that is a Christian is a Christian that, that they understand eventually, maybe because of their experience, maybe because of the word of God, they understand I'm a loser. I will not make it in God's eyes. I need Jesus Christ. But now in Christ, I have been accepted. And now the goal now is to continue to be conformed into his image and continue to grow. So Yes. So if you're a Christian and you're maturing before in God's eyes, you are becoming stronger, greater, more like Christ because you're being transformed into his image. Yes, you were a sinner, and you are in this life still a sinner, but you're going through a process of transformation. And so you should be, in a sense, a better person, a better Christian, more pleasing to God today than you were 10 years ago if you're growing. Now, not because of you, you're not earning your way, you're just being coached you're being transformed you're being trained we just read it consider discipline as training god is treating you as sons he's transforming you into the image of his son which is a light years away he's transforming you into the image of his son which is unattainable except by the grace of god the spirit of god the word of god you're moving this direction so yeah there's going to be improvement but we all start off now the strong are going to be those who understand, perceive. The weak are going to be those, according to Paul's definition last week, that don't quite have the understanding. They're going to be flaunting things that are like legalistic. You know, I you know, do this and so, or, or whatever it is. They don't have the understanding. Maybe you could say, I, I'll use, maybe I'm just pulling this off the top of my head, a poor example. Again, this is more of an academic illustration. The strong, when you talk about the spiritual realm, they may be able to understand and perceive and explain the angelic world and the rulers and authorities in heavenly places and our battles not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and authorities in heavenly places. And they have an understanding of this and a perception and they're growing in it. I think I've got an understanding of that, but I understand there's a lot of things I don't understand. I think I'm still perceiving and growing in that area. The weak person who maybe is a Christian, they've accepted Christ, but they haven't had any Bible teaching. Maybe they've just been saved you know, for a week or two weeks or something. Uh, but they're kind of still caught up in the culture. And they think angels are, are people that have died, and they go to heaven and they're God's little angel. And like when, you know, when grandpa dies, well, now the grandpa's looking over us. Grandpa's now an angel. He, you know, and God, is, God needed him in heaven so he could help us from heaven. It's like, what? What? No, no. You're making that. That's none of that's true. You, you are a human being, you are going to be a human forever. Angels were created before humans were created, and angels are never going to become humans or mankind. They're, they're, they're two different. It's like a giraffe becoming a cockroach. It's, it's like, okay, now, yeah, now we're in evolution. It's like, okay. But it's like you, they're, they're two different creations. You're, you're, you don't become an angel. You, be, you may leave your body behind and be a disembodied spirit, 
but we're waiting for the resurrection where your body is brought back, becomes a spiritual body, and you're reunited. It's called the glorification. That's the third phase of salvation. The salvation of your spirit, the salvation of your mind, and then the salvation of your body, the spirit, soul, and body. It comes in three phases. Now, again, that's another whole teaching. Now, the weak may not be on angels. They be all confused. Now, you could go, it could be dietary laws, it could be rituals, it could be holy days. It could be just a variety of understanding. Uh, in our culture, without the Word of God, you could see people really, ju- and you see churches jumping on board with pagan, stupid, fallen philosophies, if it be tolerance or, or many genders or or even evolution, or just they jump on board. It's like, wait, that, that is completely anti-God. That is a godless philosophy. The only reason anyone believes that is because they've rejected the concept of God. They've created a philosophy, and because you're part of this culture, and you want to become a Christian, you join a church, you just keep thinking like this, and now you've got churches being led by pagans or pagan philosophies. They may believe in Christ. They may be waiting for Jesus. They probably messed that up, too. Uh, as far as if Jesus is coming back, you know, Jesus apparently is coming back, according to, I don't say apparently, according to Scripture, he's going to return, according to his own words, according to angelic words, according to Scripture, Jesus is coming back to the planet. It's not just that we're going to go away to him, he's eventually going to come back here. Now, that's too much for, in a sense, the weak person to handle, so they've got to come over here and try to make it work in their world, and it's like, that's not right. It's like we all kind of bring about the kingdom of God in our own little corner of the earth. Well, yes, we, we help people. That's, we're sent out to help people. But you are not going to bring the kingdom of God, nor is the government going to bring the kingdom of God, nor is some kind of you know, uh, United Nations going to bring the kingdom of God, nor is the church going to bring the kingdom of God. It's going to come when Jesus returns. But yet they get all these philosophies, and the more we... We work together and cooperate together the closer we come to, to harmony and peace. Well, if you read the Bible, it says, when the world is saying, peace, peace, look out, destruction is coming because you're, in, you're on thin ice. You're in a false philosophy. And we've established this shambles of things where now we've got everybody kind of working together. It's like, you can't have peace in the world without Jesus Christ. He's made that very clear. A weak person of weak faith may buy into something like that but they may be in the fellowship of believers they may be christians and so this is the struggle right here that paul is talking about in romans uh, 14 we talked about last week and i think it plays into these verses here where we're talking about strengthen your weak arms so you can do the work strengthen your weak knees so you can walk the walk and straighten the path for those that are disabled. If you're, if you're the strong, I'm making the application, if you're the strong, start working out. Get in the Word. Get those, start doing the work. Start walking the walk. You're strong. Now, for those that are disabled, you're responsible to make the path straight. Do everything you can to move the stumbling stone. Uh, who was it? Uh, it wasn't Chuck Grassley. He was the Republicans. Who's the, the Democrat that... Ma- what was it? you just said it? Tom Harkin. Harkin went through and we got all the dis. Yeah, Tom Harkin. He he really pushed the uh, yeah disability. 
And so th that's an example. And again, that was a, a political thing, a cultural thing. But that's the idea. If you are the strong, then you and say, well, I can walk up the stairs. Well, some people struggle the stairs. Make it a ramp. Make it straight. Some people struggle with, I got to walk all the way across the park. Let's have some handicapped parking. Get them right up here close so they can get in here and hear the word. Do everything you can to make it accessible so that the disabled may no longer be disabled. They can start catching up to here. So instead of looking at the weak, now we're not talking about physical disability here. We're using that as an illustration. We're talking about people that are believers. Now we're not talking about the world. See, those that have rejected God, rejected Christ, they're another whole category of people and how to treat them. Those people are going away from God. Uh, they're not our enemies. They're captives to the world. Our battle is a not, not against flesh and blood. That's not, they're not our enemies. They are just going a different way. Now, there's nothing you can do except trying to get them to come and see the light. We're talking about here people that have joined with Christ, but they're, in a sense, lacking. They're ignorant. They're weak. You need to do everything you can to make the paths level so that they can catch up. And that's what we're talking here. And that's the verse that's quoted out of the Old Testament and is quoted here in, in Hebrews. Now I'm in chapter 12, and I've got to make some, make some progress here. Chapter 12, verse 12. Therefore, after having said, Jesus is our example, we're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, Deal with hardship as, 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 as discipline. God is treating you as sons. Therefore, strengthen your feeble arms and weak knees. Stop making excuses and start growing. Well, I'm, I've got a hard situation. That's discipline from God. You're, have, you're being coached. He's having you run line drills. He's working you out. You're lifting weights. Work out. Keep going. Therefore, strengthen your feeble arms and weak knees. Make level paths for your feet so that the lame may not be disabled, but rather healed. Now again, are you making the paths level for you personally? Yeah, in a sense. But also, you're making them level for the lame. There are, you, you could say, you could say, make this all personal. I'm the lame, I need level paths. But someone is making the paths level for someone else, apparently. So I like to see this as, there are those that are, are, can strengthen themselves, but you can also make it easy for others to see, help them see the perception. I would consider, I like to, this, I mean, I don't want to, I'm not boasting or bragging, but that's what I'm trying to do. I, 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 it's not like I know all these things, but I study, I, I try to understand it, and then it's like, okay, I want to now explain it to you so you can see it. It's in the Word. I think I've, I found some guidance here. I think I see some light. I think I can perceive God. Now, let's make this path straight here. Do you see it? Is everybody in line? Can you, here, I'll write a book about Jerusalem. Do you see the pictures? It's like, I don't really understand. I don't know if it's even really true. No, no, no. The Bible is true. You see, there's rocks, there's stones, there's locations. You see? It's an easy path to believe the Bible's really the Word of God. Look at the pictures. You know, th I mean, that, that's for an example of kind of what I'm trying to do. And we all have a gift, uh, and we're all supposed to use that gift to help the body of Christ. Okay. No, verse 14. Here it is. Here's the list. Make every effort to live in peace with all men. So here's the first thing. There's a variety of things coming up here. I've been trying three weeks to get to them. Peace. Holy. 
So make every effort. These means work at it. If you're the strong, work at this. Peace with all men and to be holy. Then it says without holiness, no one will see the Lord. Now I mentioned that. And again, you think right away, my, my mind automatically goes eschatological that someday in the future, I'll see God. Okay, that's, that's true. But the idea here may be in lifetime. You're trying to live at peace with all men so you don't isolate them or just, just you know, drive them back into darkness. Uh, holy, because without holiness, you're not going to perceive what God's word is trying to teach you. Now, see to it that no one misses the grace of God. Some people can miss the grace of God. For example, the grace of God is Jesus Christ. You, you don't earn it. You don't deserve it. He came to rescue you. Just get on the boat. Yeah, but how do I get on the boat? You just, he, he's invited, just walk on, just accept it. Just get on the boat. Well, I need to it's like I, and I, until I'm good enough, or I've got to do these things. Is you're missing the boat is going to leave while you're trying to get ready to get all your stuff packed. Just you don't need. Just get on the boat. That's the grace of God. But I don't know what do I need to do. I, just go on the boat. For example, <laughs> make, with, make sure. And right here, it's like it says. Uh, see to it that no one misses the grace of God which means God's gift, and we'll talk about that, and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. Now, this is going to be interesting. Bitter root, which is a phrase that you can't just isolate because it's right out of Deuteronomy. Now, bitter root, you could have, for example, a bitterness amongst the believers you know, maybe the, between the weak and the strong, or the strong and the weak, and now they've got a root. This, the root would be the, uh, the source, the, the very beginning. It's, it's, it's a bitter root. Uh, and we'll talk about that. I, I want to start going down that road, but let's keep going here. A bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. If this continues, if this continues, defile many. And this would be, again, the, the community. Uh, maybe, in this case, the weak. Maybe some of the strong could get pulled into it. But they will defile many. And uh, we'll come back to that and put it in context. This, this is one of those things. I'm going to present this. Because right here, easy teaching right here. Bitterness among people. It's a bitter root. You're mad at them, and they're mad at you, and then you gossip, and you tell this group, and pretty soon the church is divided into two camps, and many are defiled. The church splits, and these people never go back, and they say, well, I'm never going to go back to a church again, and many have been defiled because you had an argument about the potato salad during the potluck on who had the best potato salad. It's like, don't let a bitter root grow up during the, the, the potluck. Okay, or, or other examples. That could be, that would be a fun way of teaching it, and that's, don't, don't let bitterness divide you i think there's more to it than that especially when we put all these things in the sequence i'll show it to you see that no one is sexually immoral or is godless like esau now sexually immoral is the word porno pornea uh por pornea right pornea is a porno pornea uh sexual immorality now all of a sudden we're into sex sexual sins Okay, 
no one should be sexually immoral because you have sexual immorality in a church. You know, it's like, you know, families are going to be broken up. We're going to get more bitterness. Now it's because someone's all this sexual corruption. Yes, that, that would be true. But it comes right before godless like Esau. Now, pornea in the Old Testament, once again, right, sexual sins. No, not in the church. But when you compare this in the Old Testament, sexual immorality was compared to idolatry. Instead of, uh, Israel was criticized many times because they were adulterous. They went after foreign gods. They, they were not faithful to God. They were adulterous. They were, in a sense, sexually immoral instead of being faithful to God. And this truth, this philosophy, his reality, they turned to a false reality. And they now are in a corruption. They're not adulterers or adulteresses because they are worshiping or following a false philosophy and which means they are godless so again you see how easy teaching that is don't be sexually immoral that's part of good that's part of a good christian character that's true but in this list with the old testament that's talking might maybe about honoring god and his truth or his word now we go on and we're going to come back to this see too that no one is sexually immoral or godless like esau especially when you say sexually immoral there's no real example of Esau being sexually immoral. Uh, that wasn't what he was known for in Genesis. I mean, you can build a case, but you're kind of you're stretching, especially that strong word there. Afterward, as you know, when he wanted to inherit the blessing, he was rejected. He could, not, he could bring about no change of mind, though he sought the blessing with tears. He accepted a, a false truth, and when he wanted the blessing, it's like, it's not here. The blessing is here. It's going to be similar to being saved, having faith in Christ, and being a child of God on Judgment Day. Here is the inheritance compared to someone who got into a false philosophy. I don't want to say false religion, although it is, but false religions would be, you know, it, they're, they're so canned and organized. It's like what we're in danger of is, is a false philosophy, a false reality, uh, con- a contemporary I- ideology. And you get into this, and, and you end up separating yourself from Christ. And when judgment day comes, you're over here. It's like, yeah, but we are Christians. You had Christian on your, on your driver's license or your registration or whatever, but you didn't know Christ. Well, we went to church. Your church wasn't even close to being a godly institution. It was godless. It taught evolution. It ta- taught transgender. It taught that, that there was no real word of God, that this was all just good character and the word of god it's like that's a godless church it's like and now it's judgment time and you you don't have christ you've missed you've missed the grace of god because okay you have not come now verse 18 you have not come now this is the old testament now see this is going now these next set of verses here is going to compare the old covenant with the new covenant which is the, the 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 topic of this entire book that we started there in the very beginning and we've been hitting it all the way through here the old covenant uh was moses was on, came went up the mountain where god had come down he was given the law uh the the, the t- tabernacle the rituals the levitical priesthood all these things so they had a priesthood they had sacrifices they had a manifestation of god but it was terrifying he came down, they were frightened to see it. It was thundering and trumpets were blasting and the people were terrified. And God says, do these things, be holy as I am holy. And so I was going to describe that, that feat. Now, in, in the background behind all of this, this whole book of Hebrews, is there are people 
who want to continue to follow that and follow that law, but Jesus Christ has come as promised in that law as the fulfillment, as the ultimate sacrifice for mankind, as the priest with the new covenant in his blood, and you accept him, and there's, there's no law, there's no fire, there's no, in a sense, judgment. He, he was judged on the cross. There's going to be evaluation, but there's no judgment. You don't need to be afraid of anything because Christ has ta- he's delivered you from sin. He's delivered you from death. He's broken the power of Satan. Christ did that. It's like, well, you're just making it too easy. Well, what, you want to go back here and do it yourself? You can't break the power of Satan. You can't break the power of death. You can't break the power of sin. You're dead in the water, and you can't swim because you're dead. You're going nowhere. You're just floating downstream to judgment. Yeah, but we could try. You're dead. You You can't do anything. You're going to judgment. But I've got a good attitude. You don't even know what a good attitude is. A good attitude would be to turn to Christ and say, I need help. It said, you're still trying to flop around and swim, but you can't move. <laughs> and so the difference there is, well, let's read it. Here's the difference. In the writer of Hebrews' words, in a more elegant way than me talking about dead fish going down the water, he says, you have not come to a mountain that can be touched and that is burning with fire to darkness, gloom, and storm, to trumpet blast or to such a voice speaking words that those who heard it begged that no further word or rhema be spoken to them. It's like, stop talking to us. Stop giving us information. Stop giving us information, revelation from God. Because they could not bear what was commanded. And this is just one of many examples. How severe were those words? If even an animal touches the mountain, it must be stoned. We're not just here stoning people. We're stoning animals. If a little lamb comes up and starts eating grass on the side of the mountain, stone it. It's like, what happens if a child runs up? Stone it. What happens if I want to go see God? You're going to get stoned. Don't come up here. Don't touch this. I'm God. Stay back. Oh, here comes a little, ca- a little animal. Stone it. It's like, holy smokes. It's like, how about a little grace? How close were you when you said that? Stone them. It's like, oh my gosh. It's like, that's what they were looking at. And he's saying, we've not come to that mountain. That's the mountain that they're still worshiping in the temple. That's where they got the law from. They're still trying to stand at the base of the mountain and go, okay, be careful. He's angry. The sight was so terrifying that Moses says, I am trembling with fear. So the mediator of the covenant, which was Moses, was like, yeah, I'm scared. But God says, but you come up here. Uh, you're going to stone everybody. That's yeah, I want you to come up here, though. It's like, it's like you're going to meet your Lord. It's like, oh, Moses like, ah. Okay, that was, that's the old covenant. But you have come to Mount Zion. To the heavenly Jerusalem, the city of the living God, you have come to thousands upon thousands of angels in joyful assembly. There's no trumpet blast and fire and sulfur. It's, it's angels just celebrating, joyfully celebrating. So to the church of the firstborn, the church of the firstborn, that's the people that belong. Jesus is the firstborn. We could explain that. And the church that belongs to him they're they're already there you're coming to jerusalem and those people have already gone 
into the city. They have died in the new covenant and have gone to that city where the angels are singing joyfully to the church of the firstborn whose names are written in heaven. Written in heaven, that means they're citizens. It's like when they, and it's time, it's like, come on up here. Come up this mountain. Can I come? Your name's written in the citizenship. You're a member. Come on up. Hey, come, come on up. Next, yeah, come on up. Keep coming. And they're bringing people in with joyful assembly on this Mount Zion, heavenly Jerusalem, whose names are written in heaven. You have come to God, the judge of all men, to the spirits of righteous men made perfect. Yes, he's the judge of all men, but he's taken these men, these sons of God, and have made them perfect. They came to God, and he says, okay, now I'm going to treat you like a son. I'm going to take you through some discipline, some training, but I'm going to make you perfect just like my son. So you've got Jesus, the son of God, and all the members that have joined him, and they've been conformed into his image through time and with the life of God to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant. Not Moses, who's terrified, but Jesus, who became a man, died on the cross, rose from the dead, ascended into heaven, and is seated at the right hand of God as the priest, speaking for all, you've come to him. He says, come on in. Who's mediating this covenant? Jesus, the very one who died for you. And to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. In other words, the blood has already been shed, the sacrifice has been made and complete, basically join the party and we're celebrating you haven't come to this mountain you've come to this mountain but some of you are still trying to figure out he's saying to the people in in 63 AD you're still considering we better be faithful to this mountain it's like come on that whole message was telling you the day is coming where I'm going to give you a new covenant and Jesus, a new prophet, a new priest, is going to take you to heaven. He's going to take care of all the things you need to be afraid of. Sin, Satan, death, darkness. In verse 25, now, see to it. Now, this is the warning. You compare the two mountains. Now, with that information, see to it that you do not refuse him who speaks. And that's the last one. I'll just write the word speaks. Do not refuse him who speaks and who is speaking well jesus the spirit of god the word of god is speaking to you today in 63 a.d the writer is saying we these things have been made clear the lord himself told us the apostles that came after him told us and now we have these things some of them are in written form already don't refuse this so here's that list of things right here and now we go to the notes here we go the third attempt to do this and if i hustle oh boy (laughs) okay page two of the notes chapter 12 verse 14 strive for peace with everyone and for the holiness without which no one will see god now this peace uh i've got is point three right there we already talked about romans 14 last week talking about the weak and the strong and there needs to be peace between them you can't divide people into the strong and the weak the strong can't be judging the weak and we're talking about believers who have understanding or don't have understanding the strong have an understanding a greater faith because they've got a greater understanding of the object of their faith they can't be looking down and the weak who who are missing information they need to do everything they can to help them catch up but the weak who's got a limited understanding paul says 
can't judge the strong and say, well, I, I see they don't even pay any attention to uh, these dietary laws. You must be a sinner. No, no, no. They've got an understanding. Don't judge them. See if you can understand what they understand, the strong. See if you can get them to understand what you're understanding. Just keep this peace. Keep working together. Because once you divide, you're dividing the brotherhood and you're fighting amongst yourselves. Uh, um, chapter uh, 12 verse 18 of Romans says if, if it is possible as far as it depends on you live at peace with everyone uh, and Romans 12 through 13 gives some good information concerning how to make level paths for your life I wanted to in my mind read chapter 12 through 13 very quickly obviously I'm going to prevent myself from doing that um, Timothy 2 Timothy 2 verse 22 you don't have this on your notes it says, pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace along with those who seek God. So pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace along with those who are pursuing God and are after God. Work at getting, staying at peace with them. Now, there is this line right here when we have people that are in the world. This is, this, this is where certain verses get taken and, and mixed up. We're to, to be respectful of all people. But there are going to be people who are at odds with Christianity. You don't need to burn their houses down or their buildings down or drop bombs on them or something. But you can't say, oh, well, we're all the same. No, you're, you're completely different. You've got a completely different worldview. And there really is no way of having peace with you philosophically because we're polar opposites. For example, the very fact they say, well, you, tolerance, just be tolerant of everybody. But the very time that they say be tolerant of everybody, even the people that are saying tolerant will look at me and say, but we can't be tolerant of you because you're not tolerant of us. It's like, because I'm saying, no, I'm not going to be tolerant of everybody. Some things are wrong. Now, I'm not going to attack you or hurt you, but I'm definitely not going to say we're all the same. It's like, no, that's different. I am against that. I disagree with that teaching. But I'm fine. You can can do that if you want to, but I'm not going to agree with it. That's, I think, tolerance. There are those who say, be tolerant of everything, but as soon as you disagree with them, they're no longer tolerant of you. In other words, they're saying, agree with me. I'm saying, I'll be tolerant. Who cares? It's your life. But I'm not going to agree with you. What? You're not going to agree with me? You're not tolerant. Yeah, I am tolerant. We're not going to be tolerant of you. Well, you're the one that's not tolerant. Okay, anyway. There is that line. So this piece is talking about internal peace. Um, living with peace as far as it depends on you live at peace with everyone and as we're talking about this thinking about the weak and the strong I'll just say weak strong do not let things divide you do not let there be disharmony amongst that group Um, because the next thing says without holiness no one will see the Lord and the reason you want to maintain peace is because you need people who are going to be holy. You need to be holy. Now, holiness is going to be doing things. Holiness means set apart, sanctified. God has set you apart. And we are holy in the sense that we've been set apart by God for a purpose. We are in the brotherhood. We are the sons of God. He has set us apart for his kingdom. So we are already holy. But there is a, 
a a practical holiness and then there is the applicable holiness this is practical or this it would say spiritual positional holiness you are holy in christ even the book of first corinthians it begins paul addresses the corinthians as holy to the lord and then he tells them how wicked they are and how unholy they are it's like well paul i mean what, what are you saying you're you've been set apart by god you are his holy people but you're not living holy and so positional holiness you are set apart for god now you need to start living holiness you need to live this and this would mean living and doing thinking in the way that god wants you to think uh in line with his reality in line with his truth uh meaning if you are going to be thinking out of line with god you're not going to perceive god if you're over here thinking that that god has that everything evolved and that there's, there's no rhyme or reason, uh, that, that there's now you know, different genders, and, and it's all this chaos, and you know, whatever. We just go, it's like you're not going to see God. You're, you're looking at things with a blurry lens. You're, it's like, I just, and the further you go, it's like, I just don't see God here. I just don't, I, pretty soon you say, I don't even think there is a God. Well, of course you don't, because you're, you're looking into the darkness. If you turn and start seeing things the way God organized them and realize certain truths, you will begin to see God in everything, because he is everywhere. Creation declares his glory. And so if you are living without holiness in your life, doing things the way God intended you to do, you will not see God. Now, the next line, or perceive God, you can look, look at that eschatologically. Chapter 12, verse 15 See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God. And this right here, the grace of God, would be uh, uh, God's gift. We would say gift. It's unmerited favor. We could say favor. See to it that no one misses God's favor. And and God's favor is available to everyone through Jesus Christ. Here he's saying, come. Anyone who wants to come, come. And something could get in the way of you putting up like for example a a weak believer someone who is confused in in the world will be saying well here's how you find god you just need in the end god is just going to balance your good deeds and your bad deeds and if your your good deeds are greater than your your uh, bad deeds you you get to go to heaven or if you if you give to the generation word bible teaching ministry you will have favor with god if it's just but it's got to be like you know uh a larger figure and 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 then i'll pray it's like oh okay it's like okay no no now you're missing the grace of god it has nothing to do with that kind of behavior um and so a a, a weak believer a, a false understanding a, a some a false philosophy would cause someone to miss the grace of god because some of these things can be very convincing and now they're going to live their whole life trusting a false philosophy, and they've missed the grace of God. And now, a bitter root. A bitter root, this could be over the potato salad, okay? And now they're bitter. But if you look on, go to Deuteronomy 29. Tick tock, tick tock. Deuteronomy 29. Now, Deuteronomy is Moses' last book. It's, it's in a sense, one, one big speech. He's talking to the second generation that's going to go in. The first generation has died out, and he's now got the second generation that's going to go into the land. They've grown up in the wilderness. It's Israel coming out of the wilderness, a mighty power. 
The first generation came out of slavery and were wimps and, and couldn't follow God. The second generation grew up in the wilderness and they're going to take the land. But Moses is warning them in chapter 29. Again, I don't have time to go through this whole thing. Chapter 29, but here's, you're going to see this phrase used here. And he's talking about how they, they've marched for 40 years. They've been born in the wilderness, so they've, they've seen a lot of these details in the book of Numbers. They've, they've lived through it. Chapter 29, verse 16 of Deuteronomy. You yourselves know how we lived in Egypt and how we passed through the countries on the way here. They came out of Egypt. They passed through different countries. You know, Moab, Ammon. They went around Edom. You saw among them, and they had battles with the Midianites. You saw among them, these other nations, their detestable images and idols of wood and stone of silver and gold. When you, got, when you went through those lands, you could see altars that were set up and images, and they're detestable, they're, they're twisted, and the, the reality was false. I mean, they, they were a, a crumbling society. It'd be like coming through America today and watching, you know, what Hollywood presents. It says, you pass through uh, the, the land of America. You remember going through Hollywood and seeing the, the detestable images and the gods that they worship. It's like, yeah, don't do that. He said, so that's what they've seen. He says, make sure there is no man, verse 18, make sure there is no man or woman, clan or tribe among you today whose heart turns away from the Lord our God to go and worship the gods of those nations. Make sure there is no root among you that produces such bitter poison. And that is where he gets this phrase, bitter root. It's not the potato salad. You can go down that. That would be a true application. You could say that's still a truth. I don't think his target is at your potlucks, don't let bitterness come out of your potato salad debates or whatever you're talking about. Paving the parking lot or not paving the parking lot or putting new stripes on the paint or whatever. The bitter root is the source. The root is that false teaching. It's this idol. And now it's not just, again, be careful. Do not just pass by these verses. Oh, well, they're just, they just believe they could worship this rock, and this rock was their God. It's like, how stupid were these people? No, 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 no. They believed from the ancient days in the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. They believed in angelic forces. Some of them were against Yahweh, but they would manifest or they had made some contact with the people, and they would set up images to represent this deity, to make that deity feel welcomed here. It's like, we are going to worship you here at this spot. We want to make contact with you here. And they were worshiping, Paul says it, Moses says it. They were worshiping demons. They were worshiping rulers and authorities from the heavenly realms that were misleading them. But they would also bring along with them their, their practices, their ideas, their false teaching that was against God. And so these cultures would just unravel. They would, just, they would begin deconstructing society and just crumble and be overrun. And so God says, do you see? You pass through them, and you saw these detestable images. And those detestable images are representing these rulers and authorities that are convincing these people to follow false philosophies and false realities, to create their own world, their own system, their own, in, in a sense, worldview that honors this pagan god. He says, don't do that. Do not let the root, the source, this bitter poison from this root grow. You go here, 
Live at peace so you can help each other. You need to be holy because if you keep thinking and understanding God, you will see God everywhere. You be holy. Without holiness, you won't see God. You won't understand anything. You go to Bible class after Bible class and be like, it just doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. Then all of a sudden, it clicks like, now I understand it. You can perceive God. See to it that no one misses the grace of God because you're not going to get there with some, again, the false teaching they'd be concerned about is the Mosaic law, following the rituals. Make sure no one misses the grace of God so that no bitter root or the source grows up. And now the source is not just idols. The source now, the false source, would be the law of Moses is going to lead you to God. The law of Moses prepares you to find Christ who will take you out of the law and give you salvation through faith in Christ. He's going to do the work. And that bitter root will root the poison, if it be pagan, if it be now some kind of legalistic code, will defile many. Meaning, you're going to be a Christian, but you're going to be stuck in this weak state forever, and anything you teach will just continue to mislead people, and you're just continue to defile many. And I think you can say, this is what's happened even in the Western church. There's been false teaching come in. They've rejected holiness. Uh, they've missed the grace of God. Now they've got some kind of false philosophy, false teaching. It's bitterness. It's a bitter poison that's racking through or growing through the people, and many are defiled. Uh, and then the next, go to the, uh, oh, the page three, and then we've got, oh, chapter 12, verse 16. See that there is no one sexually immoral or unholy, God be godless like Esau. Now you can say right there, pornea means sexual immorality. It means fornicator. Uh, most likely, in most cases, it refers to a male prostitute. Make sure no one is doing this. Okay, yes. In, in this whole process, make sure no one is sexually immoral. That is a true Christian value. But here, in line of this, of going following after an idol, make sure no one is going after a false god that is committing adultery. Again, you, it, it, it means sexual immorality. But in the Old Testament, it was a reference to coming against the ways of God and going after a foreign god. And that would mean is, is sexually immoral or goes after foreign gods or godless like Esau. You've got another plan. And if you've got another plan like Esau, you've got another plan, you're going to miss the covenant that God has offered you. Esau and Jacob were looking at the Abrahamic covenant. We're looking at the new covenant. Don't go after some other covenant a sexual immorality in the spiritual sense and become godless and miss the new covenant. And then the last one is, in, is uh, talking about speaking. And I've got that, that chart on the back of the page finally. Let's look at that very quickly. I've got these things listed right down here. Uh, peace is irene. It means complete, wholeness, well-being with others. Holy means set apart for God. It refers to doing things the way God intended. You're going to be set apart for God. Now do it the way God intended. Positionally, you're set apart. Now in reality, do it the way God intended. If it, it, whatever it is, if it's business, if it's family, if it's government, do it the way God intended. Be holy. It doesn't just mean go to church and sing a holy song. It means everything you touch, put it in line with God. Because if you will you will see God. So make sure no one else misses the grace of God, others understanding and receiving God. Make sure no one else misses this because there's going to be false teaching coming. Make sure you explain it to people. 
And then the bitterness, right there, you can see bitter, trouble. It means third person, singular you, to disturb. And defile many is third person, plural. So trouble many means third person, singular, you, to disturb, annoy a crowd. Make sure you, singular, do not defile many. So I don't have time to explain all that, but you can see right there uh, that trouble is singular, Meaning you, you singular can cause the trouble and many, plural, are going to be defiled because of a singular action. If you become this source of bad teaching, you're singularly doing this. Make sure you do not become a bitter root and many are going to be defiled in the plural sense. Sexual immorality, there it is, pornos, fornicate, prostitute himself and I've got to you know, self, uh, give self to sexual desires or be unfaithful to God. No one is godless. There you can see the word right there. Uh, the word not godless is babelos from baino, which means go, and belos, which means threshold to enter a building. Together they mean an improper entrance. The Greek word godless is babelos, which means to go to the threshold or to enter a building in the wrong way. Do not become godless and try to enter the kingdom in an unholy way, in a godless way. Things like what Jesus gave the parable about coming in through the gate. Many try to crawl over the wall. You've got to come through the gate. There's only one way. He is the door. He is the gate. He's the good shepherd. Many are going to try it in different ways. Remember the parable. Uh, a guy shows up. He says, well, you don't have the wedding garments on. He says, well, you don't have the right clothes on. And throw, throws him into where there's gnashing of teeth. It's like, so he came in without the wedding garments, uh, or they try to get into the, the sh- where the sheep are kept by crawling over the fence. They came in the wrong way. That is this right here. There are people in churches today that are they're, they're coming across the threshold in the wrong way. That is not how you enter God. You've got to come through the grace of God. But you get this bitter root. You come in and you get sexual immorality in the sense of uh, here, if we put it in the context of the Old Testament, you're uh, committing adultery against God. You've got your own idea. Here's how I think God should be. And you come in, you're godless. You're presenting to God a way of entering into his kingdom. That's godless. That's, not, that's, not, that's your idea. People say, why is God so closed-minded? Why can't we create our own way? No, you're all on your way to hell. He provided a way, says, I will tell you, you come through Christ. You come through Christ, you can all come in. Well, that's kind of narrow-minded. I'll come up with my own way. What, what, what? Then they criticize the guy. Well, why is he so narrow-minded? He gave you a door. He provided a way. He's not narrow-minded. He's gracious. He says, I have a wide-open door. Come right through here. The problem is you don't want to come through this door. You want to crawl over the wall. You want to come in with your own ideas. And God says, well, that's never going to happen. And any accusation against God, well, that's not very fair. It's like, it's totally fair. You're all lost. I provided a way in. And now in your lost state, you want to tell me how to provide a way. It's like, I ain't going to listen to a lost person, but I am going to help a lost person and tell you how to get to the kingdom. And then the last one right there is in verse 25. Do not refuse him who speaks. And that is idea right here. God is speaking to, just like he was on the mountain, God is speaking today with his spirit, through his church, through the word. God is speaking right here. This is the goal right here. Make sure the path is, if you're weak, your arms are weak, your knees are weak, make them strong. Get, follow God's discipline and grow up. If there are those that are weak and disabled, do everything you can to make it very simple right here. God wants peace. 
You've got to live like God wants and understand what God wants to see God. There's grace. You just come with free grace. He offers a way of coming, but avoid any of these false teachings. Identify the false teachings and don't go that way because they're going to be they're going to be adultery towards God and you will end up trying to come to God the wrong way and he will not accept you because you've got your own idea. You've got to hear God's ways because he is speaking today. Do not refuse him who's speaking. Because if you refuse him, you say, I disagree with that. Well then, you're done. Because just that, now you're right back to the mountain with fire. It's the mountain with fire or it's the Mount Zion where the angels are rejoicing. Well, I want to come my own way. You're, go back to the mountain. You're done. We can't help you. And that's kind of what he's saying right there. We'll kind of clean this up next week and press on through uh, the rest of the chapter. Father, we do thank you for the chance to hear these things. We thank you for your word. We ask that we would evaluate our own selves, that we would be humble to understand not our ways, but to hear more about your ways and to be able to transform our own thinking to be in line with you so that we can, again, walk into your kingdom the correct way and live in your kingdom the way you'd like us to. Father, we do ask that we would grow and mature and be a light to this generation. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you for your time. Take a box of books.